Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Collective, it is good to be back. I missed you guys. For those of you who are new uh, over the past few weeks, uh, my name is Michael Bartlett, and I am the lead pastor here. And my guess is that you are a little bit shocked because I am not bald, and I do not have a beard. Did any of you notice this over the past three Sundays? These were our guest speakers (laughs) over last month. It's like I went to the guest preacher store and picked three of the same item, bald, beard, black shirt, bald, beard, slightly different pants, black shirt, bald, beard, Then you have CT all the way on the end who wore a picture of himself. (laughs) Clearly, he's the wild card, uh, so I'm sure some of you are glad I'm back. It's like when your kids go to grandma's house and it's anarchy. So don't worry, don't worry, I'm I'm back. Um, But man, they they did a great job, didn't they? They did such a good job. Uh, These guys are uh, some of my closest friends, and when taking a, a preaching break, it's always tough to get guest speakers in who understand this place. And uh, we've done it in the past where they come in, they're like, man, this collective is great. And like, I had no idea. And so this year we wanted to pick uh, guys who can come in and say, hey, I know this church. And I know, I know what's going on in this church. And I love this church. And so uh, I'm so thankful for them and for their willingness to, to give me a little bit of a break. Um, and if I could sum up my preaching break, I, it would be like this. In, in basketball, there is something called a step back jumper. All right, this is when the shooter presses up against the player who's guarding them and then takes a step back, gives them a little bit more space between them and the defender so they can shoot. And this move was brought into the league by a guy named Kiki Vanderway. If you're a basketball fan, if you know him, if you don't know basketball, you've never heard of that guy before. Uh, but he brought it into the league, but it was perfected by the GOAT, Michael Jordan, not LeBron James. Don't do that. You can't lose as many championships as LeBron has and be the GOAT, okay? It was brought into the league, it was perfected, but thank you, thank you. I would, no, we don't have time for this, all right. The GOAT, Michael Jordan, and now it's a staple of the game of many of the superstars that you see like James Harden and Luka Doncic. And the reason why the step back works so well is because it gives the shooter a clearer look at the basket. And so that is my goal every summer when I take my preaching break. It gives me a chance to step back from writing and preaching sermons and to get a clearer look at collective and our future. And I will tell you that over the last few months, or last month, I've gotten just that. And this fall, uh, I'm going to share more of what is going on in this church and the big things that are happening here. Now, there are two things I want to share with you immediately, though, because a few weeks ago, we got to celebrate our 150th baptism as a church, and I snuck in so I could be a part of that with you all. You didn't know because I wore a hat, and everybody like freaked out when they saw me, like, oh my gosh, I've never seen you in a hat before. But it was me, not someone else. And so I snuck in, and I got to celebrate that with you all. And, and there are two things that I really noticed that Sunday and the few weeks that I was gone. The first is how much you all are worshiping right now. A few years ago when COVID hit and we had to do church online for 52 weeks in a row, I was confident that it would destroy the worship culture of collective. I figured when we were finally back together in this 
space. People wouldn't sing. They wouldn't close their eyes. They wouldn't engage in worship because 52 weeks alone in your living room watching worship, most likely disconnected people from that moment. But on Sunday morning, you all are engaging worship, and it's something that you can hear and see. And really what I love the most is that you can just feel it. And I love being able to worship with you all today. I, I love that you all sing louder than our sound system, right? I love it, especially when there's baptisms. On the day that Scott got baptized, when he went all in on his faith, to celebrate that as loud as you did, and then to hear you guys sing the song, oh, come to the altar at such a high level, it was just so good. And it's just something I just wanna encourage you to keep doing. Now, here's the second thing I noticed. And what I want you to do for this one, I want you to take out your phone. So everybody grab your phone, take it out of your purse, take it out of your pocket. Some of you are already texting on it, like what's for lunch today? Grab it, hold on to it. Because here's the other thing that I noticed. Some of you don't know how to silence your cell phones. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I, I love you all so much. I do, I do. I missed you so much. It's 2023. Okay, you should never not have your phone silenced. It should always, that should just be the default setting on cell phones at this point. Thank you, yeah, okay. All right, just making sure it wasn't just me. Um, hey, if you're a doctor and you're on call, don't leave it silenced, it's okay, you're a doctor. Uh, if you're waiting for the scammers to call you at 9.30 in the morning, just go ahead and silence your phone. And I'm gonna teach you how to do this. Okay, this is how passionate I am about this right now. If you have an iPhone, you just hold it, look at it, and there's a little button on the left-hand side and you just slide it back, click. Super easy, silence your phone. If you have a droid, I have no idea how you silence your droid, okay? My guess is that it's overly complicated. You type in your 16-digit code, your mother's maiden name, the last four addresses, and then you give it a blood sample, and then you can silence it. I, I don't really know. If you've got a droid, just Google it on your own. Um, but here's the thing. I was listening to the podcast the other day, because I'm listening to my friends who, who are preaching, and someone's phone went off, and it was so loud that I thought it was my own phone while I was driving, <laughs> okay? And I realized a little bit later, it was just the recording. I was freaking out. I was like, how's the phone coming through the podcast? So, so do me a favor, uh, silence your phones, please. Uh, do everything you can to make this experience when you're here, you know, the hour that you're here on Sundays, uh, the most distraction for you can for everybody else around you as well. Um, if you cannot figure out how to silence your phone, head to Next Steps, <laughs> like they'll teach you. Uh, the other option is just leave it in your car because whoever's calling you, they should be here anyways. So uh, go ahead and do that, do that for me. <laughs> Some of you are not glad that I'm back. <laughs> All right, now uh, DJ said a little bit earlier, today's a really exciting day for Collective because it's the official start for Fort Frederick Week. And how many of you are hyped for this right now? Um, this is, this is a week of us serving our community. It's this amazing opportunity that we get to show Frederick who Collective is, what we're all about, and it's really an opportunity for us to put our faith into action. And over the next week, there are nine different service projects ranging from lawn care to serving meals to packing bags for students who are getting ready to go back to school who struggle with food insecurity. And as of today, we have over 220 adults, students, and kids signed up for these projects. It's about half of our church who signed up for this. And this all leads, like DJ said, to our grand finale, the grocery store buyout that happens one week from today. Next Sunday, August 13th, instead of meeting here at the church building, we will meet at the Wise on Prospect Boulevard to buy out the grocery store in order to fight food insecurity in Frederick. This year, we announced a little bit earlier, we're also adding hygiene and baby products to our grocery list in order to help more local organizations. Ultimately, you all bought so much food last year that we couldn't up the food amount, so we had to add in other items. Now, you can show up anytime you want between 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. to grocery shop. You grab a list and you get going. 
You can buy a few items. You can buy a few carts full. You can fill up a cart just with mac and cheese if you want. You can do, there are no rules. You can do it. And everything purchased that day will go to these incredible organizations in Frederick that help get the food out to our community, like the Frederick Rescue Mission, Blessings in a Backpack, CareNet Pregnancy Center, and more. And so next Sunday, if you show up here, no one will be here, okay? And I say this every year, and every year people are like, I went to the building. Okay, don't come here next week. Okay, the lights are off, the doors are locked. So once you see it, we'll put a sign out so that you don't have to walk all the way up here. But turn around, head to the wise. Uh, and let me just say this. DJ mentioned this, but I want to double down on this a little bit. If you cannot participate in the grocery store buyout because you are in a place where financially things are tight, right? And you want to bless this community, but that means taking food off your own table, what we encourage you to do is still show up, head to the black tent next Sunday, and talk to the team that is there and grab one of the gift cards that we have. Right? We have gift cards that have been purchased by people who will be out of town next weekend, and so they gave us gift cards. So you will do the shopping for them. Really, it's a, it's a team effort on this one. But please don't let your own financial situation keep you away from doing what I know your heart wants to do, right? Um, specifically for those of you who do struggle that way, you know what it's like to receive that gift, and so you definitely want to give that gift, and we can help you do that. So make sure next Sunday to head to the Black Tent. A few weeks ago, I was talking to another pastor about the grocery store buyout, and he asked me what it was like. And I said, it's this cross between Supermarket Sweep, which was the greatest television show when we were children, uh, right? It's the, you literally get to run around and just dump things in a shopping cart, but add that to The Walking Dead, where like all the aisles are picked clean. So if you come at noon, what you know is that it is eerie walking through an empty grocery store. It has that weird yellow lighting in there. Um, but, but it really is this just incredible and fun opportunity we get to serve our community. And I do want to remind you all of the goals for Fourth Frederick Week because we set them really high. Um, so our goals are this. We want to cumulatively serve over 500 hours this week. And we want to purchase 5,000 household and baby items plus 15,000 pounds of grocery items. Now, if we hit these goals as a church, that'll push us over 100,000 pounds donated in the history of our church. It'll push us over 10,000 household items donated in the lifetime of our church. And we know that these are huge goals. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm nervous about it. Typically, I'm nervous when we set goals and you guys crush them anyways, because that's what we're gonna do, right? We're gonna crush these goals. We're gonna just blow them out of the water. Next year, it'll be like 100,000 pounds of food that I'm challenging you to buy. Now, uh, when, when thinking about all of this and, and when setting this week up, if there was one verse in the Bible that would best sum up why we do for Frederick Week, it would be this. It's Jeremiah 29, 7. And this is what God says to the people of Israel. He says, And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. There's another translation I like even more. It says this. It says, but seek, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, let me explain a little bit of what's going on. God's people, the Israelites are currently in exile in Babylon and they're being held captive by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And so they're actually living in a land that isn't their own and they ask God what they should do and he tells them, to seek the welfare of the city. Really what he tells them, to make themselves at home because if the city they are living in, even though it's not their own, if the city they are living in thrives, so do they. Now, most of us are not exiled here. Some of you honestly feel that way though. Maybe Frederick wasn't the city you chose. Maybe work 
chose it for you. Maybe you want to be a little bit closer to D.C., but this is the city that you can afford. Maybe you're a kid, you're a student, and your parents live here, so you're stuck here, and you have all these dreams of leaving one day. Maybe you're just like me, and you actually love this place. You didn't think you would, but you do. The point is this, though. What God is saying is whether or not this is the city that we choose, it is our responsibility as people of God to seek the welfare of the city that we are in. And right now, we are in Frederick, which means we are told to seek the welfare of Frederick. We are to love this city, to care for this city, to meet the needs of this city. Ultimately, we are here to help this city thrive. And so here's the first takeaway today. If you're taking notes, write this down. The church is called to meet the physical needs of its community. We are called to meet the physical needs of Frederick and the surrounding area. We should feel the burden to love and care for this community that we are a part of. Ultimately, Frederick should be a better place because we are in it and because we live this verse out. And truly, this has been a part of the church's calling in DNA since the beginning of the church as we know it. There's a book of the Bible called Acts. It's all about how the church started after Jesus resurrected from the dead. It honestly lays out the history of how the church went from 120 people to spreading throughout the world. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see in Acts 2, the church sold its own property and possessions to help those in need. In Acts 4, it says that there were no needy people among them because of the way that they served and cared for one another. In Acts 6, the church is handing out food to families who are struggling, and there's so many people that they are serving, they actually have to set aside a team to say, you need to take care of these people. In Acts 11, there's a famine in Judea, and the church in Antioch, a neighboring town, gathers up food and supplies and sends them to Judea, to the church there, so that they can serve their community. And it goes beyond the book of Acts. In multiple of Paul's letters to the churches that he helped start, he commends them for the ways that they are serving each other and serving their communities. Following Jesus and serving others goes hand in hand. Seeking the welfare of the city is core to the church. And so practically, what does that look like? It looks like serving meals at the Frederick Rescue Mission. It looks like packing bags for students who are food insecure and they don't know where their next meal is coming from. It looks like doing lawn care at CareNet to create a better environment that creates more dignity for women who are often all alone seeking out help with their pregnancies. It looks like stocking food pantries at Frederick Housing and Human Services. It looks like showing up and serving others, which is something Frederick desperately needs. I don't know if you all saw this, but an article came out in the Frederick News Post just about a week ago. The headline says, food banks in Frederick County need more donations to keep up with community needs. And the article went on to say that in June alone, the organizations that we are partnering with served over 7,000 people. 41% of those were children. And the article went on to essentially ask, who's going to step up to meet these needs? The article said, our city needs help. What are you going to do about it? And the thing is, we're going to do something. Right? And not just because this article is asking for help. We're going to do something because this is what we're supposed to do as the church. Because this is what God asks us to do. Now, and, and we can't meet every need in Frederick. We can't. Right? We can't serve every family in every way. But we can take all that we've got right now, which is a few hundred people, and we can serve and be generous. And my hope and my prayer is that Collective continues to grow so we can serve more. And maybe next year, we do 20 projects during this week. 
Maybe this week is so big this year that other organizations see it and they reach out to us saying, hey, how can we be a part of For Frederick Week? Maybe one day we'll pass the 500,000 pounds of grocery mark or maybe the 1 million pound mark. Maybe one day it's 100,000 hygiene and baby items donated. Maybe one day the grocery store buyout isn't just wise because it's so big we have to bring in other grocery stores or maybe it's a whole weekend. I don't know. But I do know that just because we can't do everything in our city right now doesn't mean that we do nothing. We can do with what we've been given from God. We can do our best with that. And we know that God will do more than what we can ask or imagine. As the church, we are called to meet the physical needs of our city. Frederick needs help, so we are going to step up. Now, it's not just the physical needs of our city. Jeremiah tells the Israelites that they need to be praying for their city as well. And so when it comes to seeking the welfare of Frederick, it's not just a physical welfare, but a spiritual one as well. Because the church is called to meet the spiritual needs of its community. Ultimately, we are called to point people toward Jesus to point people toward grace and endless second chances, toward hope and peace and restoration that is only found in him. In the book of James, which is a letter that was written directly to Christians, James pushes them to have an active faith, right? to not just believe in Jesus, but to show, up, show it. And he writes this in James 2.14. He says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Let's look at that question that James asks. He says, can that kind of faith save anyone? What he's saying is we don't serve to check a box. We don't serve to earn forgiveness from God, to earn salvation or favor or grace. No, we do this so other people can be saved. We do this so other people can bump into Jesus and have their lives changed forever. A few months ago, a friend of mine who, who works in like demographic studies he sent me a breakdown of the Frederick area, and there were two numbers that stood out to me the most. The first is that the study found that 80% of our county does not go to church on Sunday mornings. More alarming than that, though, is that 60% of our county does not believe in God. So here's the blunt truth about that. People are dying and going to hell in Frederick, and that should absolutely devastate us. That should completely break our hearts, and we should be doing everything we can to point people toward, God, toward a God who loves them unconditionally, to God who can fill that void in their souls that they're trying desperately to fill with money and career and relationships and addictions and approval of others. We should be doing everything we can to point them to God who gives new life, who restores marriages and mental health, who brings peace and joy, who gives purpose and provides community. So let's not miss the fact that the reason why this week is so big is because it's giving us hundreds, if not thousands, of opportunities to show people that God is real, that Jesus loves them, that there's this church called Collective that desperately wants them to know that these things are true. And maybe this is just my heart, but I want heaven to be crowded. Last Sunday, I went to the Orioles-Yankees game at Camden Yards, and the game was originally scheduled to be a 1.30 p.m. start, but because the Orioles are really good right now, uh, we got flexed into the 7 p.m. time slot so it could be on ESPN. And the moment that that news broke just a few weeks ago about the game being on primetime, social media, specifically Orioles fans, Orioles social media, kept telling everybody, hey, we have to show up, right? Everything said, like, we have to make Camden Yards crowded, and it was. 
It was the most crowded I've seen that stadium in a really long time. In fact, it was the largest crowd in Baltimore in the last six years. And so we were sitting in center field. And if you know anything about center field at Camden Yards, they don't have the armrest there. And we were tight. Right? There were no empty seats around us. And the energy was electric. Now, it helped that we put up seven runs in the first inning and we smoked the Yankees. It was a dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> but the goal was to pack out the park. It was to sell it out. And we, we do the same thing when it comes to Ravens games. We don't do the same thing when it comes to Commanders games because they're garbage, okay? <laughs> uh, they're breaking my heart. But, but you understand what I'm saying. Right? We are all about making these stadiums crowded. But what about heaven? Are you comfortable with that? You know, people have left Collective over the past few years because, as they put it, we're getting too big. And really what they're saying is that they didn't like that we weren't just doing one service with 100 people anymore. When those people left because they had to walk a little bit further because our parking lot is more full, or they couldn't leave three seats in between them and the next person, and I asked them to scoot over a little bit, right? They felt like there are more people here that they didn't know than they did know. I couldn't help but think those people are really going to hate heaven, because Jesus doesn't sit around on his heavenly throne and say, there might be too many people here. He says there's room for more. And so we serve not to check a box. We do it to point people toward Jesus. Because if we really want Frederick to thrive, we know that it starts with faith in him and allowing him to do the hard work in their lives. And so ultimately, we meet people's physical needs so that we get a chance to meet their spiritual needs to show them what Jesus can do with their story, to invite them to collective where they can see firsthand what Jesus can do with lost and broken people like us. And let me just say this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're still trying to seeking that stuff out, trying to figure it out, and you're here today, what we so desperately want Frederick to know, we want that for you as well. Right? We want you to know that there is a God who loves you that it doesn't matter how lost you are or how broken you are, what sin you have in your life, that there is grace and forgiveness available. There is new life found in him. And my challenge to you, before you even go out to serve, right, before you even go out to buy groceries, it is a good thing to buy groceries, but it's to understand why you're doing that. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus and you are wrestling with that, my, my encouragement to you is to check the baptism box so we can talk about that this week. Right? And checking the box doesn't mean you're locked into anything. It just sets up a conversation about what does it look like to go all in on my faith. Now let's read that verse one more time because there's something I want to point out at the very end. Right? God says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Don't do that to me right now. <laughs> don't, do, don't do it. What? We're doomed, okay? <laughs> All right, we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Endless second chances, not with cell phones. You get one more. All right, Jeremiah 29, 7, he says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Right? Remember what I said earlier. The Israelites are in exile. They're in a place where they don't want to be anymore. It's not what they asked. It's not what they wanted. They're asking God to make things better. And what God says is, if you are concerned about yourself, care about everybody else. Care about that city. If you want what's best for you, serve others. So here's the third takeaway from this verse. We get out of it what we put into it. 
If we want what's best for our city, we serve. But if we want what's best for ourselves, we serve. And this is true in so many areas of our life. This is true in marriage. If you want to have a healthy and thriving marriage, the question is, what are you doing to prove that? Are you seeking out the welfare of your marriage by having regular date nights, by going to therapy as a couple or for yourself as an individual, by unfriending and blocking those accounts that you know you don't need to be connected to, by choosing vulnerability and having those really uncomfortable conversations that make you feel insecure so that you can grow closer as a couple? When it comes to marriage, you get out of it what you put into it. This is true when it comes to our faith. If you want to have a healthy and thriving faith, what are you doing to prove that? What spiritual disciplines do you have? Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you making church on Sunday a priority? But I'm not just talking about attending. I'm talking about taking next steps. Are you serving? Have you been baptized? Do you sit in this space? Do you take notes? Do you go back home and dig back into it? If you want to seek the welfare of your faith, it starts with the effort that you put into it. And the same is true for ourselves. When we choose to seek the welfare of the city, not only does the city benefit from this, but we do as well. Because Frederick becomes a healthier place, it becomes a safer place, it becomes a friendlier place, a more life-giving place. Ultimately, we get out of it what we put into it. The writer of Proverbs says it like this in Proverbs eleven twenty-five. He says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will they themselves be refreshed. Alan Lux is the author of a book called The Healing Power of Doing Good. And Lux found that serving others brings similar feelings to working out. Because what happens when we serve others is that our body releases the same endorphins, which are these brain chemicals that reduce pain and increase euphoria. And what this does is this creates a rush of elation followed by a period of calm. Lux studies also suggest that volunteering helps ease stress it also improves physical and emotional health by strengthening immune system activity, decreasing intensity and awareness of physical pain, activating positive emotions that support well-being, being reducing negative emotions that deplete well-being, enhancing functioning of various body systems. And on top of that, it's not just a physical benefit, there's a spiritual benefit as well. He found that altruism can provide a sense of direction and bring a purpose to life. When we serve others, we feel like we're a part of something greater than ourselves and seeing the power and the ability that we have to touch and change a life makes us feel less alone in this universe. It gives us more meaning. In other words, when you serve others, it is good for you. There are benefits to that. So some of you are in this really low place right now in life and you don't know what else to do. And I would say this will help. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Over the past 15 years, I have worked in five different churches. And one of the things that I've always been a part of is creating ways for the church that I am working for to serve the community. And every city I've lived in, it doesn't matter where it is, I've reached out and I've sat down with local nonprofits to see how the church I'm working for can better help fight food insecurity or help with homelessness or help with drug addiction in those communities. And I think I've probably sat down with 30 plus organizations over the years, and it doesn't matter what city I live in, there are always a few responses that I get over and over and over again. The first is we have worked with churches in the past, but most of the time they say they are going to show up and they don't. The second is we've worked with churches before, but they have a tendency to overpromise and underdeliver. The last thing I've heard a lot is most churches only want to help when it's convenient. 
And honestly, when we moved to Frederick, this is what we heard as well. And my point is this, the reputation of the church in general is that we do not seek the welfare of the city. We don't. I think if you asked your non-Christian friends what they thought about the church, they would probably say that we seek the welfare of ourselves first. Right? And if that was true, we'd be seeking the welfare of the city. So really what they're saying is they just don't see us stepping up. And that's one of the reasons why I think the church is dying today is because Christians talk a mean game about the love of God that they have, but their actions do not back it up. Going back to the book of James, James said this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I don't want to be someone who is just fooling himself. I don't want to be a part of a church or lead a church that is just fooling ourselves. In the early days of Collective, um, before we were named Collective, we actually called ourselves the Frederick Project. This was about six years ago. And we didn't know where we were going to meet. We didn't have a team. We didn't have anything, just kind of an idea and a calling from God. And we knew that this would be the place. And so from the very beginning, we said that we would be a church that is for Frederick. And we didn't just put this phrase on T-shirts or car magnets on social media. We wanted it to be seen through our actions. Right? We wanted people in this place to think Collective is a church that is for Frederick. Right, that collective is a church that seeks the welfare of our city. Well, that's been a part of things that we've done since day one. Four Friday week gives us the opportunity to go even further, to show even more how good God is, what he's done in our lives, and what we want for the people around us. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Let's pray. God, um, there's, there's so much about that verse that we have to wrestle with. God, I, I think the first thing that we have to understand is that you do want what's best for us. God, you want us to have a good welfare. But God, beyond that, we understand that for us to be healthy, whether that's spiritually, mentally, emotionally, such a big part of that is not thinking about ourselves, but thinking about others. And it's serving others, it's helping others, it's creating space for other people to experience you. And so God, as we head out into For Frederick Week, um, God, we pray that you give us those opportunities. God, we know it's gonna be hot, we know it's gonna be sweaty. God, a lot of us are gonna be uncomfortable. Um, but God, ultimately, one of the things that we understand is that Frederick will be better because of this. Not because of us, but because of what you can do through us. And so, God, I, I just pray as a church, when people see or hear the name Collective, they know that we are for this city. God, it's not just a phrase. It's not just something we put on a shirt so we can have better swag. But it's a truth. It's a reality. And, God, ultimately, we pray that they know that Collective is for Frederick because we are for you. We want everyone around us to know how good you are. God, thank you for these opportunities. Thank you for pushing us. God, thank you for um, calling us to action um, and seeking the welfare of our city. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.